0: hi i'm Stephen.
1: and hi i'm charlotte
0: and welcome to mirtha magic the rpg podcast
1: welcome back guys
0: Hi guys, and welcome to episode four of Murph and Magic.
1: Ah uh, yes, our Halloween episode, or closest we could get anyway.
0: Yeah, and uh, oh boy, do we have a game for you.
1: Wow, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> you should go <your> into advertising.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was a reference actually to uh, Dawn of the Dead, which if you were a horror fan you would know.
1: Did they also say it in that really uninterested, yes. unpassionate yes. way? <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: Actually, yes. <laughs> okay. I'll
1: take your word for it. <laughs> uh,
0: how are you, anyway? Any uh, any RPG news this last couple of weeks?
1: Not too much. I've been playing Tales of Arise for the last week, and at first, I really, really liked it, and then I've, it sounds bad. I've started to get a little bit bored of it, which is oh not what God, I was like, hoping would happen.
0: The second game you're getting bored of that we've not even played yet.
1: I feel bad because. Uh, it is really good. It's a really good game. But I'm so sick of characters spouting exposition on me for hours on end that I've I've had to take a bit of a break from that one as well.
0: Oh, is it very, like, verbose?
1: It's very, guys, guys, where are we headed again? And it was like, we've said six times. <laughs> Stop repeating it. Oh, dear. But it is still good. It's still a good game, and I will finish it. But I'm, like, 40 hours in.
0: Hmm. Yeah, it's on my list. You know, I'm I'm gonna play Nia next.
1: Yeah, it is uh, good. It's it's still one of the better games I've played recently. I'm warm to it quite as much as maybe I thought I would.
0: Yeah, I keep hearing about like how good the characters are and stuff and how they interact with each other. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. I mean, but I mean, it sounds like you're kind of a bit irritated by that.
1: Yeah, I, I think I do like a lot of the characters and the interactions are done really well. I think it's more the story hasn't quite gelled with me.
0: Right,
2: but I can't okay. really
1: explain why, because on paper it's the exactly the kind of one I would like. So I'm interested in what you think when you play it.
0: Uh, you know what game you would never get bored of?
1: That you dare say SMT because I already have. No. Been.
0: Well, we know that you've been bored of that one, and you ha- you have to finish it because we're doing a podcast episode in like a month. <laughs> uh, no, um, Yakuza: Like a Dragon. Oh, it's so good.
1: Oh, bloody Yakuza! I hear it like once a week. <laughs> oh, you've heard of this great game? Yeah, yeah, come
0: across in my life. This is like Persona Five all over again, where I'm telling you that it's an incredible game, and you're like, "Yeah, but I've got Final Fantasy VIII to play, but to play for the 50th time this year."
1: <laughs> I need to try a new junction system. 45th one of my life.
0: <laughs> I've got, got an idea, and is? yeah, I've got an idea for how to like get to 9998 health in the first disc.
1: Oh, come on! I've got that already. You just. Transfer things into water magic on the Besaid Beach. <laughs> Come on now, Steve, pull it together.
0: Wow, I didn't even have to look it up. She just knew it automatically. It's crazy. She's like a savant for Final Fantasy VIII.
1: But what was really, disappointing? I just said um, Besaid Beach. What I meant was Balaam Beach. I kind of merged it with Final Fantasy X and I've never been more ashamed.
0: I didn't even notice.
1: <laughs> You're just as bad as me.
0: Oh, dear. Well, I've been uh, playing SMT more. I'm now officially ahead of you, despite your protests that I wasn't.
1: To be fair, you're only just ahead of me. Uh,
0: yeah, I am. I'm at this boss now, which is really irritating. Uh, like, you know, the Haru's Dungeon in Persona Five—that level of irritating.
1: Oh God! Now I really don't <laughs> want to go back to
0: it. No, it's alright though, and uh, I think I'll be done with that game because I kind of looked up how far I am, and I'm not—I'm not actually too far from the end. Yeah, um, maybe another ten hours. Yeah, I'll—I'll I'll, uh, I'll keep on with that, and uh, hopefully be able to play Nia in a couple of weeks' time.
1: Oh yeah, I'm excited for that. So, I think today we're going to be talking about Bloodborne.
0: Are we? Yes, we are. <laughs> that was my joke. <laughs> no, that
1: gave you like, <laughs> like a mini heart attack then. <laughs> <laughs> so, Bloodborne came out, I think, as far as I'm aware, just on the PS4. And I don't think it's ever actually come out on anything else, has it? It's always stayed a PlayStation exclusive, not even on PC.
0: Yeah, it's totally exclusive. And uh, there's only one game too, and there's like no sound of a sequel coming out anytime soon.
1: Yeah, which is sad, because I would love a Bloodborne sequel. Everyone would. To see Bloodborne, so especially on PS5 graphics would be would be a treat. Yeah, yeah. So this came out in 2015, and I know that I played it around a year after it came out, and I really vividly remember getting it, because we got it, and then we had a power cut the night we got it. Not, sorry, not a power cut, but all our lights went off in our house, because the circuit went. So I played this in complete pitch black darkness for the first ever night we had it, and it was spectacular.
0: Just a side note, did you not like, go flip the circuit thing to put the lights back on? <laughs> did you? Just...
1: At this point, I was living in a shared house with other people and I pretty much left this to them. And when they couldn't <laughs> fix it, I figured, well, there's no bloody chance I'll be able to. So I just carried on playing Bloodborne.
0: OK, that makes sense. <laughs> did not sit
1: further. So.
0: But very atmospheric, though. I'm very, uh, very lending to the atmosphere, I'm sure.
1: It was very atmospheric. I almost didn't want them to fix the lights because it actually <laughs> fit quite well with my evening. No, don't. Yeah. <laughs> don't fix it guys it's good this. It <laughs> they were trying to do her like coursework and I'm like no just leave it it's fine. but I think I played this pretty much solidly for about a week and even then I hadn't finished it I was still getting stuck on some of the final bosses but I love this game when it came out and I still every now and then still play it probably not the entire game I, think, I don't think since I first played I've ever rerun the entire thing through but the first half of this game I've played semi-regularly because I think it's great how about you? When did you first play it?
0: I, I think I started at the same time as you did. I don't know if you were the one that made me buy it. I don't remember. I think it might have been because I don't think I would have bought this on my own.
1: No, I think I think I said that you should get it. I'm fairly sure that came from me. Yeah.
0: I remember very well that it was 2016, I think, and um, or maybe early 2017. And I kept doing you know the, the star area where you um there's all the enemies and you have to like get to the end of it and then you have to meet the the boss at the end right and if you don't meet him you can never sort of continue is that right A level up
1: yeah because in order to start leveling up you need to get at least one insight and in order right. to get insight you need to at least see the boss so until you get to the boss you can't level up
0: so i yeah. didn't realize this and i took forever to get to the boss <laughs> and, uh, um, and then when i finally realized that's what was happening and i needed to get to the boss to level up i couldn't do it that first boss like slaughtered me um <laughs> and uh, i remember i took so many tries like well over a week like you said you spent a week getting to the final bosses you're always the better gamer than i am um i spent ages on this one mm-hmm. and then um, i remember that i finally did it and that feeling that you get when you kill a blood bomb boss oh it's so good
1: Oh, it is the most satisfying thing. I mean, afterwards, your hands are just shaking as you're trying to go yeah. up like, the torches and light it before something else kills you. Yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah you want to save it immediately. Exactly. Um, like, I'm not
1: um, doing that again, ever.
0: And I remember that I couldn't, I got a bit further and I could not get past Father Gascoigne. So I quit the game. And then I went back to it in uh, 2019, early 2019. And I, I started again completely. And actually, I think I watched a couple of YouTube videos or something, a tutorial on how to beat Gascoigne. I managed it. And actually, none of the bosses immediately following that were too difficult for me. I didn't really have much trouble again until, um, like, the middle of the game.
1: Yeah. I mean, I remember when you first... I don't know if it was your first play or your second one, but I came and fought some of the bosses with you, didn't I?
0: There was one in particular. That was the first one that I actually had trouble with. So it was the guy that's like is on the roof you have to climb all over the roofs to get to him
1: oh the one with the um machine gun that guy or the one no. who's the king on the castle roof
0: the king on the castle roof yeah yes, what's, yes.
1: What's,
0: what's he called
1: oh he's ma- that- he's martyr something something martyr um Ligarius I want to say Ligarius Marta
0: Ligarius one. yeah yeah oh uh canehurst Castle yeah yeah uh-huh yeah, that, that one gave me a lot of trouble. I remember that I had to um I remember that I had to ask you for help and then I had to help you set up like PlayStation online because you didn't have it.
1: Because <laughs> I'm like an old so woman. She can't make like, things work. <laughs> I can play games. I can't A, turn on my PlayStation, and B apparently turn on my own lights. So I really need assistance.
0: How are you such a pro gamer when you can't even work a light switch or set up online PlayStation?
1: I have very select skills.
0: <laughs> very select.
1: <laughs> So should we go into the initial story of Bloodborne first?
0: Oh, yes, you should. Please do.
1: (laughs) Because, I mean, the thing with Bloodborne is you could play through this game and if you don't read any of the item descriptions, you're going to have no idea what is happening. You're just a man Mm -hmm. with a sword fighting things as it gets darker, basically. But to kind of sum up the story in a very overly brief way, but it doesn't really deserve, you're a man or a woman who goes to this town of Yharnam looking for a cure for this kind of unnamed disease that you have you're infused with a blood product and then you awaken essentially as a hunter and you have this ability to travel to the hunter's dream and you are basically immortal every time you die you return to this dream and you continue your purpose as a hunter fighting these beasts and bloodborne's an interesting game because you go through it and Most of it isn't really your story. You're you're kind of travelling through a town and witnessing a story that's already happened to other, almost more interesting people than yourself, which I find is a really interesting storytelling mechanic. But your character doesn't really do much or interact with anything. Everything happened months and years ago, and you're just reading about it, essentially. Mm -hmm. But basically, you progress through this town. You've learned all the terrible things that have happened, all the misuse of the blood and the story of the Great Ones, and then essentially you get to the end of the game and then you've got the three options, which we will discuss a little bit further on of either becoming the the guardian of the dream or becoming a baby slug.
0: or Becoming a slug?
1: <laughs> that's, that's, if you wanted to sum this up in like the worst way, baby slug <laughs> is what I would define it as. But do you kind of agree if that's the kind of vibe of the story you got? Because it is quite confusing and I reckon different people could interpret it in slightly different ways. Depending which item descriptions they read,
0: yeah, you are more of a bystander. But things do happen to you. Like you do meet people, but mo- most of the plot happened well before you got there. Yeah, yeah. Did you did you like the way the story was told with the with the items, or would you prefer it to be more like overt and out in the world?
1: I remember when I was first playing it, getting a little bit frustrated that every time I thought I was starting to get to grips with the story, I'd come across a new, completely different branch of the church or a whole different group. And then I'd feel confused again, like I I didn't really understand. Like I remember thinking, okay, I understand what the Hunters are. I understand that the church gives out blood. And then suddenly there were these choir members. And I was like, who the fuck is the choir? Like I don't need a whole other branch. I'm already confused enough as it is. But now when I look back on it, I, f- I remember it really fondly. And there's a lot of re- replayability in Bloodborne because every time you play and you read different item descriptions or you just come across weird little quirks or things that certain NPC characters say, it just builds to the story, which I do now find a lot more interesting than these games that they just spout exposition at you solidly. And it feels almost like you're watching a film rather than playing a game. Whereas this, you're very much playing this story.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: I don't know, did you kind of read the item descriptions or did you end up just going online and reading about it? No, I did.
0: On? I read them because, well, I read that you had to do that basically to understand the plot so that I, I started doing that. I don't, I don't mind some of the story being told that way but I wish it was more over and out in the world I wish there was more um, environmental storytelling and more like storylines within the world but I do think that it was done very well
1: exactly i think I think once because I mean what they were going for I think they achieved it very well yeah and i mean i'm not i have never been a huge player of dark souls and but I know that the story in that is is also not really doesn't always have to be very descriptive but i as far as I'm aware, it, it's not quite as obtuse as Bloodborne is, but I've not played all of them, so I'm not 100% sure.
0: I've only played Dark Souls 3, and uh, we don't talk about that. It's very frustrating. I had to quit.
1: <laughs> I don't know. Games yes. that you quit make me want to talk about them more. i like to hear about your rage.
0: <laughs> I don't quit many games, but that one I did.
1: <laughs> it's my equivalent of SMT, yeah.
0: <laughs> you keep saying you're going to go back to it.
1: And I am, out of spite. <laughs> Perseverance.
0: Oh, I was going to say, did you um, add on the DLC and play the DLC storyline as well in the like fishing village?
1: Yeah, I've only ever played that once, though, with you know Lady Marie in the clock tower and the fishing Hamlet. And the main thing that actually made me want to play that is because it, it sounds like it's more directly linked to one of H.P. Lovecraft's actual stories with the fishing oh, Hamlet. It's, it's shadow of the mouth. Yeah, exactly. Like it's really closely linked, and obviously, Bloodborne, the the Lovecraft references are common throughout it but that was really on the nose for the dlc and but i've only ever played it through once because i found it a bit trickier i suppose to play than bloodborne but i didn't find it quite as easy to navigate or find places to save or places to stop Mm -hmm. and so whenever i go back especially the first section of the dlc i don't find it as enjoyable to play so i don't get as into it whereas if i start off bloodborne for the first time i find that really easy to get into
0: yeah i remember lady maria fight really well it took me a long time as well because she was so quick you had to learn like analyze her pattern of movement really accurately to take her down but i actually never finished it because i couldn't do the and of course i just couldn't do it he he uh. just would not let me heal it's <laughs> just relentless <laughs> it was like you um, know when like you play a fighting game when you're a kid and you may you're on the floor and your mate just smacks you and won't let you get up it was like that
1: A <laughs> much darker a version
0: Yes, <laughs> with a giant hand thing. Doesn't it have like yeah. a big tentacle thing? Yeah, yeah.
1: I think so. Yeah, <laughs> I must admit the DLC I, ha- I did always find a little bit harder and a bit more unforgiving than Bloodborne. But when I did play, I did enjoy it, and it's nice to see like characters like Maria, who obviously mentioned in the main game, actually have a kind of a bit of background. So yeah, 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 it's a yeah. satisfying DLC. It's one that I was happy to have. Yeah. So if we move on to characters, when I first started thinking about characters in Bloodborne, at first I thought. There's barely any, but then actually the more I thought about it, there's actually a fair few with interesting little storylines to think about.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: the main character in a lot of ways is actually the most uninteresting one, I would say, because you don't really have a character, do you? You've got an appearance and you spend the entire game covered head to in blood. So you can't even see yourself or a big hat. So you can't see what their skull even looks like. And you don't really, you don't say anything in the game. All you do is kind of fight things and look a bit, Posey, which I'm fully on board with but you don't really have any other characterization do you other than that
0: no um you're very much like a, a an empty vessel really are you despite this I still spent like 45 minutes in character creation making the facial features just perfect the way I wanted them <laughs> uh, I always I that. do that and
1: <laughs> I did that the first time I played the second time I was like instantly like no fine select I know I'm gonna put you in a hood in like 10 seconds so
0: Yeah, uh, I think I have done two characters. I think I made, like, I always make a version of myself, like a a sort of romanticized version of me with, like, luscious, flowing ginger locks. Um, (laughs) And then I made Moira from Shit's Creek. Have you seen Shit's Creek?
1: (laughs) I have, yeah. These two characters are very (laughs) odd to each (laughs) other.
0: Well, me and Moira.
1: Yeah, yeah, like, oh, which one am I going to play today? On Bloodborne. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, it's identi- I don't think I actually meant to do that, but it's identical. It was crazy. Yeah. Ah, see, I thought you'd got out like with a... the
1: intention of making it look like Moira.
0: No, I was messing around and then, it, uh, oh my God, it looks just like Moira from Schitt's Creek. And I just kept it and played it and it was fantastic. Just yeah, imagine definitely. Moira in this world.
1: <laughs> so well suited to Bloodborne.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
1: See, the first time I played when I actually put some effort into I just tried to make him look like this kind of burly character who could survive anything, but then left him, like, really skinny and scrawny. So it was, like, facial hair and looked really cool, but then I actually gave him tiny little like, stick arms to run around <laughs> with.
0: So, Do you ever make yourself in these kind of games?
1: Weirdly, no, and I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just conditioning from all RPGs that I played when I was younger all having male protagonists. But if I'm given the choice, I'll always make the main character male. I don't know why. Mm. Just- I don't think I've ever made one female voluntarily. Oh, really? really? Yeah, it's really just drilled into me, it would seem.
0: I'm fairly equal. I, um, equal opportunities and all that. I make uh, half and half pretty much characters, uh, male and female in different games. I don't really have a preference.
1: Oh, you're better than me when I'm like, quick, make them look all like Squall. This is what needs to happen.
0: <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, or Sora, <laughs> I imagine.
1: Oh, <laughs> Who looks like an eight-year-old boy. <laughs> yeah.
0: Did you put Sora in Bloodborne? No one surprised me.
1: If Zor was in Bloodborne, he would get eaten alive. Zor ain't surviving Bloodborne.
0: There is actually a, a subreddit for Bloodborne, I remember this now, where um, people would post their characters, exactly how they made them, and there were some fantastic ones in there. People made celebrities and all sorts. It was great.
1: To be fair, there was a lot of like options you could do with the characters. Like Considering you could barely see them, you could put in a lot of effort into them.
0: Yes, which is exactly what I did, and I regretted it immensely when that was so much time wasted.
1: <laughs> Absolutely wasted time because every time you zoom into this <laughs> character they've just got blood splattered, and you could just see these tiny eyes like protruding out of puddles of blood, staring <laughs> at the camera.
0: I do like to kind of mime a character. Sometimes I just stop and just like spin the camera and look at them. I don't know why. I just like looking at them sometimes.
1: Oh, that makes you sound really lonely. <laughs> I just like mm-hmm. to look at another person sometimes.
0: No, I just like to. I don't know. I just like to look at the character that I've made. I always do that in games. Don't you? Don't you?
1: I mean, no? the amount of effort I put into character personalization <laughs> is so minimal but very little pride there for me <laughs> so if we go on to the other characters i say the other one of the other main ones is the doll who you have in the dream i just find her voice very peaceful i find her a very nice little character mm-hmm. although her kind of thing with german is a bit weird where obviously she's asleep the first time you go there and once you get one insight she wakes up and you can level up through her and if you drop down to zero insight obviously she goes back to sleep again but when she first wakes up and you speak to German, he's like, you can use the doll if you wish. And oh, it just makes like shivers go up and down my spine. Mm. Not right.
0: She's like, a, she's meant to be alive, isn't she? Like she does like breathe and sleep. She's a doll, right?
1: Yeah. Cause she's asleep sometimes, isn't she? When you go to the dream,
0: mm-hmm. you, wake,
1: you can wake her up. Cause she speaks in her sleep, doesn't she? Occasionally.
0: And she meant to look like Maria.
1: Yeah. Cause it suggested that German had an obsession with Maria and then made the doll to look like her Mm -hmm. but i don't it's a bit weird isn't it because if you go to the abandoned workshop which is like the kind of secret area you can go to there's there's a doll like a broken doll there which i'm guessing is the original doll he made
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and then there's this doll in the dream and yeah i'm not really sure if this is kind of the one you see in the hunter's dream is kind of a real doll or almost like a kind of metaphysical version of the one that exists in real life i'm not really too sure
0: mm-hmm. it took me a long time to place her accent as well i couldn't quite work out what it was ah
1: uh, i just i don't know what it is i just really love her voice basically <laughs> go and speak to her all the time mainly because she was the only person to fucking speak to i just go and just speak and see what she had to say it was always the same thing and I, I, whenever i play i always go and get her the little comb you can get her to give her as a present Or oh, does, does she you put it, it in her hair yeah. So if you go to the abandoned workshop, you can find a little comb on the doll there and you mm-hmm. can give it to the doll in the dream and it makes her really happy. And mean, she cries. It's nice. I mean, it's nice as it is to make someone cry, but yeah.
0: <laughs> she actually cries?
1: Yeah, she cries. And then her tear you get as like a little like, item that you can turn into a blood gem thing. Okay. But it kind of plays into that weird thing where there's so much in this game where you only find out any backstory if you go and find these items and go to these little hidden places but for me anyway if you didn't know that that abandoned workshop was there there's no inclination or no suggestion that you should go and find it but it even exists you even know it's there because someone's told you or you just happened across it completely by accident because you get lost Mm -hmm. which is a really unusual game play situation where normally a character will go oh did you know there was a workshop such and such i've heard you should go there there's none of that in this game it's all Mm -hmm. chance in terms of other characters we've got, I just mentioned Gurman then, who's obviously kind of like an ex-hunter who guards the dream and in instructs you on what to do. And, and spoilers, obviously, one of the endings potentially beheads you.
0: That's the one that I got.
1: Is that the one you got, or did you let him yeah. behead you?
0: Yeah. Uh, did I let him? I think I did, yeah. I think I did.
1: Yeah, because you kind of kneel <clears throat> down in front of him, don't you? And you just mm-hmm. ex- accept your fate.
0: But he had the same... Fate once before you, right? He he was selected by like the great one uh to look o- to watch over the world.
1: Yeah, because that's one of the endings you can have, isn't it? You can become the new kind of keeper of the dream. Mm-hmm. And then the ending scene is that's you a in the wheelchair. Yeah. And that's what when I first played, someone I knew told me about the umbilical cords ending. So that's one that I got.
0: Is that like the canon one?
1: I don't I don't really know if there is a canon one. I guess it's the most secret one because it's the only one that you have to kind of do something for other than answering a question. Mm-hmm. So I suppose you could say it's maybe the canon one, but I, I wouldn't say there's any particularly good ending to Bloodborne. It just depends which one you consider the best option, I suppose. Being beheaded. Be- getting beheaded or again waking up with <laughs> baby slug. So it depends which one floats <laughs> your boat, I guess.
0: Not which is worse, probably the slug.
1: At least the slug, I suppose at some point you grow up into a Bigger slug that might be nice.
0: Uh, Hang out the doll for all the yeah, eternity. sure.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is what I went leaving
0: anyway. trails everywhere.
1: Yeah, well, i maybe sound gross, but thanks.
0: Well, that's what slugs do.
1: I would be an I'd be a non slimy slug. Thank you.
0: I don't think I'd that be, exists but okay.
1: I'd be, I'd be clean and pretty.
0: A <laughs> pretty slug.
1: I'd be a pretty slug. <laughs> I'd be all dry.
0: What other characters did you like in this game?
1: So. A lot of the characters that I like are all in kind of one scenario, if you will, which is, you know, the chapel dweller that you meet, and he says that he'd like it if you bring survivors to him. And then you can find a number of people and direct them to him. So you've got um,
0: Oh, like the old woman.
1: Yeah, yeah. So you've got the old woman who you meet quite early on, who's very aggressive to you initially. You've got Ariana, who's the prostitute, who's will give you blood if you ask her to. Mm -hmm. adela the nun who will only go to the um chapel if you're wearing certain clothes and she trusts you the really nasty guy who's just a bastard to you the entire time and then also the option of sending the i think they're calling the suspicious beggar but the guy who's a monster in disguise that you can also send there so
0: doesn't he kill them all
1: yeah if you send him there who one by one like the little characters will end up dying and he would just be there like, oh, isn't this surprising? I wonder what's going on, <laughs> like covered in blood over time. But, well, like
0: when you when you first meet him, though, like he's standing above like a lot of bodies and he's eating them.
1: <laughs> yeah, literally. You go down and he's like, because <laughs> I remember that really vividly because you jump down onto, it feels like a random rooftop and he's like kneeling over this yeah, yeah, yeah. family, essentially. And the first time I went up to him, I thought there was a monster next to him. So I tried to attack it and accidentally hit him. And to that point, I thought he was just a normal guy. But the second you accidentally attack him, he turns into a monster. So I accidentally hit this man with my axe. and I was about to be like, oh, God, I'm so sorry. And then just turns into this massive like <laughs> wolf. And I was like, oh, Jesus, I'm nearly dead already. I was just trying to pick up some items.
0: Did you kill him? So I,
1: oh, no, he massacred me.
0: How Absolutely he
1: massacred not? me. I was not prepared for that at all. But that whole character art of the little um, chapel and sending survivors and what can happen with each of them. I really liked that because the chapel dweller, he looks kind of creepy and grotesque, but he's one of the few nice characters. Yeah, he is. nice. Him and the doll. Exactly. Like, it was really nice. If you send all the survivors there, he asks if you'll be his friend. And I desperately wanted the option to say yes. Yes, of (laughs) course, I'll be your friend. Charming little man. And then if you do send the suspicious beggar there, he gets sadder and sadder as all the survivors die and he gets really upset and oh it was so sweet <laughs> did you send those characters to the chapel or did you send them to the doctor
0: no always to the chapel I don't think I sent anyone to the doctor but mm. I think actually I cheated and looked up a guide on what to do best
1: yeah um, I, I found the chapel dweller so adorable I sent them there before I was even suspicious of the doctor and I mean it was only later on when I realized what she was I was like oh thank god I didn't send anyone to her I accidentally sent the guy there though, because I didn't realise he does the opposite of what you tell him to do. The beggar. So, no, the you know the really nasty oh, guy. Oh
0: yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah,
1: I tried to send him to the chapel, and I didn't realise he does the opposite of what you say. So I accidentally mm-hmm. sent him to the
0: doctor. Uh, the doctor's name is Iosefka, isn't it?
1: She is, and I like her little storyline as well, because I'm not sure exactly what bit of the game it is that it turns that she becomes a fake, or like a fake takes her place. I'm not sure the exact point of the game. I'm sure people who know the game better than me will be able to say when her voice changes or her personality changes, but I'm I'm not sure exactly when it is.
0: Yeah. So you do meet the real well, you don't meet her, you talk to her through a door, don't you, initially, and she's nice to you. And then something happens and at one point, and when when you finally get into is it optional to get into her clinic? I think it is, isn't it?
1: It is optional, yeah.
0: Yeah. And she's like a, a blue alien.
1: Yeah, the real one's become a little alien and you only realise it's her because if you kill it, it drops one of her blood vials. Yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: But it's interesting because you do go around the back at different points of the game. If you go in kind of the middle, you end up fighting the fake doctor. But if you go quite near the end of the game, she's pregnant on the table and you have the option to kill her to get one of the umbilical cords. It's interesting.
0: And you can't ever restore the real one, right? She's gone.
1: Yeah, I don't think you can save her from being a little blue alien. (laughs)
0: yeah oh dear poor poor as
1: exactly but there was a lot of like little characterizations to these because like they don't really have character arcs They're, they're too minor to have them but just like little things that i found interesting like the nun who you can send there i found her really creepy like she'll only come with you if you're dressed in i think it might be the church clothes i can't quite remember but if you accept blood from the prostitute you can see her, she'll turn her head and she'll watch your conversation at the corner of the screen. And she'll only do it when you're talking to the prostitute and none of the other characters. And I really like little character things like that.
0: Mm-hmm. Doesn't she say something about her too? What's The prostitute's name is Adele, isn't it? No. Uh, Ariana, Ari- I think. Ari- Ariana, prostitute. yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: Doesn't she, like, um, slam her as well if you talk to her sometimes? She, like, yeah. says something nasty.
1: Yeah, she says she you shouldn't trust her and all this sort of stuff. But the, Ariana's just a, a nice lady. Yeah. She is. The nun's just very suspicious. And obviously then if you wind the nun up enough, the nun will kill her. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just like how many different ways that scene can go of either Ariana eventually giving birth to that little great one, or the nun killing her, or a suspicious beggar killing them, or you send them all to the doctor and they get turned into aliens. There's so many options for these very small characters, and they're all really interesting
0: and none of them are really very good for any of them
1: oh no they all suck there's no good <laughs> ending to any of these four characters at all <laughs> at the end of the game i think the only people left is you and that church dweller i can't think of as anyone else actually alive in that game it's just
0: him yeah because you haven't mentioned her yet but even eileen's gone well we think right people think she's gone
1: yeah i always assume she dies on the steps
0: Mm-hmm. She's yeah, my favourite, she, by the way. She's my favourite character in the whole game.
1: Oh, she is good. She's got that really, like, heavy northern accent as well, doesn't she?
0: That's why I like her. Representation. Yeah, she, she does. <laughs> she sounds like
1: she's from Yorkshire. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I think she's actually like a Lancashire voice, but, yeah, general northern. That will do.
1: To me, just northern is northern.
0: You've lived in the north for 10 years now. You should know the difference. <laughs> <laughs> but
1: her design is really cool as well. She's got that, it's like, the... um feathered kind of split cloak, hasn't she? And then the Plague Doctor mask. It, the whole design is oh, yeah. really cool, I think. As mm-hmm. soon as I get the outfit in the game, I, I instantly put it on and never change it again.
0: And she's got those cool, like, um, dual swords, hasn't she, as well? Yeah. weapon.
1: It was really upset me because I mean, it was the second time I played. I had that fight with Henrik in the graveyard where, where, where you go and help her fight. And I accidentally must have hit her during the fight too many times. And then suddenly before I knew it, she'd started attacking me. And then for the rest of the game, she was hostile towards me. And I was like, I was just trying to help. I didn't mean to keep hitting you in the face with my axe. That happened to
0: me as well. I had to reset because I didn't want her to be aggressive to me. I had to do the whole thing again.
1: Yeah, it, it really upsets. I thought that after the fight, it would reset and um, she'd go back to being nice. But no, she, otherwise she's just hostile the whole thing, isn't she? Mm-hmm. It's a shame. One of the other characters' little stories that I did like as well, it's um, Father Gascoigne and his two daughters. That whole story arc.
0: That was a sad storyline in the end.
1: Oh, yeah. That's a horrible storyline.
0: Mm-hmm. It's
1: awful. I mean, you meet Father Gascoigne, who's clearly on the verge of slash has just gone insane and killed his wife. And, oh, that fight. I know you mentioned it earlier, but that fight is like a steep, difficult level because that fight's awful.
0: Oh, yeah. I thought the first fight was awful. And then I got to that one.
1: Oh, it's terrible when you keep get, getting stuck between the graves and then on the steps and he can jump such a long distance. Ah, yeah. I'm sure when we talk about like fighting this game, we'll mention it again, but I had to rage quit that a few times, (laughs) even with the little music box. He's still so hard to fight, but obviously you find his wife dead on the roof, don't you? And have the option of showing her, I think it's brooch to her daughter. at home alone. I showed her the brooch and then I felt awful about doing it.
0: Is this the same girl that, um, this is the one in the window, right, that you talk to when you come out of the sewers.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's yeah, that's his daughter, right? And um doesn't she end up getting killed by the pig?
1: Yeah, she gets eaten by a giant pig.
0: It's that horrendous. pig as well. Oh my god, that pig was all that took me like several times just to time to get the timing right to kill it.
1: Yeah. First time Actually, I did I, it. I remember like that pig really taking me by surprise because you're wandering around this little sewer. There's a few crows, you know, kind of weird little sewer creatures. Suddenly there's a fuck off massive pig. I was like, (laughs) what what are you doing here? You don't belong. And it killed me early on in the game. And I was like, I'll just leave it for now. And I'll come back later. And then I went and killed it later. And you find like the bloody ribbon. And I was like, that's weird. I don't know what this is. And then happened to go back to Father Gascoigne's house and realized that's what it was from. Mm -hmm. Because then you can meet the other sister, can't you? And then that ends badly as well.
0: What happens there? Sorry, remind me.
1: So you go back and the sister is there saying how she's, her little sister's gone and, you know, you don't know where she is and you can present her with this ribbon. So then the sister knows that she's died. But then if you like walk a few steps away from the house, you can hear her like giggling because she's happy that her sister's dead because that means she gets to keep the ribbon. And they're like, oh God, you're evil. You're a terrible child. And then I think it's if you leave the area and come back, you know, it's that big ladder that's just outside that house. Oh, yeah. What I mean?
0: They're going down to the sewers.
1: Yeah. And if you now, if you go down there, her dead body is at the bottom of that ladder, where there's a big monster uh, roaming around. Yep. So it's assuming then she also leaves the house and dies. But then you get the ribbon that's been cleaned by her rather than the bloody one that you had before. But yeah, the whole the, family storyline is just awful.
0: Yeah, all of them dead. And you kind of helped kill three of them in a way.
1: Literally. And I I think I could be wrong, but isn't Henrik related to their family as well? I can't remember what item description it is or what it is in the game that made me think it. But it was kind of suggested that he's Gascoigne's, I think, either father-in-law or brother-in-law. And when he goes to the graveyard and sees his daughter slash sister dead and Gascoigne dead, he goes mad. And then you and Eileen have to kill him. So I okay. think you, that's another family member that you potentially murder as well, but I could be wrong, but I think it might be his father-in-law.
0: Very tragic storyline all, all around really, isn't it?
1: Yeah, but just done so well, because like, you'll find like a little hint of that story and then you're curious to see what happens with the rest of it.
0: You know, one good thing to come out of uh, the whole situation though? What's that? The ribbon for the messengers. So cute. <laughs>
1: Yeah, we may have two dead kids, dead <laughs> woman, and two dead men, but God, that ribbon
0: looks nice. It does look cute on the little messengers, doesn't it? It's cute. You don't, you don't get. I wish I had more outfits for them. Little cat ears oh, and stuff. I
1: would. I would put them in tiny top hats. So they look <laughs> Fancy like butlers.
0: <laughs> There's a uh, one more character that you didn't mention that I quite liked as well. Oh, which one? Um, Annalise, the queen, the vampire queen uh, in Kenhurst Castle.
1: I forgot about her. She has that, that helmet over her head, doesn't she?
0: Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Oh, uh, yeah, forgot about her.
0: She's great. She's really creepy, I think.
1: Yeah, I kept asking her to marry me and she said no.
0: And, really and you don't think you can do it, can you?
1: you? No, you can offer her, I think it's the ring, and propose and she just laughs at you. And I was like, oh, that hurts my feelings. <laughs> I feel I should have put more effort into my character face design.
0: I um, I think her and Maria are also related.
1: Yeah, I think that as well. And I think because I think Maria wears some of like the noble clothes, doesn't she, that the Canehurst mm-hmm. women wear? Yeah. All the story, like all these little links, it just links everything so well together.
0: Yeah, it's making me realize what I thought coming to this episode wasn't many characters. I could think of Eileen, I can think of Gascoigne, and then I thought that was pretty much it. <laughs> and then you reminded me of all these people that I totally forgot about.
1: That's what I thought as well. because I was sitting there and I was like, you know, the main character, there's this doll, there's German, and then the doll, I kept remembering. Yeah. Yeah, then I kept remembering other little people, and I was like, "Oh, yeah, I really like seeing what happened with that." <laughs> it's it's surprising how much they can do in a very short amount of time with these characters that still makes them memorable. Because some your yeah, characters says nothing back to any of them.
0: Yeah, and even though some of them are only in the game for a short amount of time, and you, you see them even less, like you're, you don't have to spend a lot of time with them, they still have a big impact on the story. Like you remember a, a lot about what they uh, what they what they do in the story.
1: Exactly, like there's the executioner guy. What's his name? The blonde one. Is it Alfred? Oh,
0: Alfred. Yeah, yeah. The the only like normal-looking person in the.
1: Well, he comes across as really like normal and friendly, and you're like, oh, this is this is nice. What a lovely guy. And then the his end thing is him laughing manically, wearing like that pyramid on his head, having like bashed that woman to death. Then he just commits suicide, and I was like, oh, goodbye, friend. Mm. You've (laughs) gone literally batshit insane. Okay.
0: Yeah, he kills Annalise, doesn't he? The queen I just mentioned.
1: He does, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh He's Do got that big to... wheel thing, hasn't he, for a weapon?
1: Oh, God, yeah, because you can you can get <laughs> it, can't you, after yeah. he dies. And I tried using it a couple of times and was like, uh, no, this is the most impractical weapon. I'm going back to Ludwig's sword, which I use constantly.
0: The weapons in this game, I mean, you're going to get onto it, I'm sure, but I mean, there's so much variety in what you want to pick. You can have whatever you want, really, and they all play differently. It's great.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of variety. There's always been about three that I always went back to using. I'd use a couple of the other ones for a bit and be like, oh, that's interesting. And then mm-hmm. go straight back to my sword cleaver again. Cause it was just so beefed up by that point.
0: I don't recall the names, but I remember there's like a it's like a sword whip thing.
1: Oh, like, like the pain rod thing. Yeah.
0: Pain rod thing, yeah. They know what it's called. Yeah. That was a uh, legendary pain rod thing. Um <laughs> And there was the one that I always used, I remember, which was like, it's basically like a saw, but on a stick, <laughs> like a almost like a chainsaw, but on a giant stick, like a hammer.
1: It saw cleaver. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was that, yeah. Yeah, that one. That was great.
1: That was, and it looked really interesting because that was in the trailer for Bloodborne, I think as well, was him wandering mm-hmm. around with that. And I remember watching the trailer thinking, that looks really cool. And it was.
0: I think I used that for most, used that for most of the game, actually.
1: Yeah, I used that one and I used Ludwig's sword. They were mm-hmm. the two that I use all the time. And tinnitus for certain things, yeah. Mm-hmm. So if we move on to themes of the game, I think H.P. Lovecraft is a very common one throughout the entire thing. And I think it, it's Lovecraft done right, if that makes sense. A lot of Lovecraft horror, I think, misses the point ever so slightly. But I think this nails it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's very much inspired by Lovecraft. Like, all, all the talk of the Great Ones and, and the aesthetic, but it's also like, it does. It is a proper Japanese horror game underneath this European facade that it's got. I think it's got very strong J horror elements.
1: Yeah, definitely. Like you can see these sorts of monsters being in like a remake of Silent Hill, that kind of really bizarre. Can't quite figure out exactly what they are. Look like different things from different angles, type thing. And yeah, very kind of eldritch horror.
0: Yes, there was a meme that I saw the other day, which was like, all the bosses in Bloodborne are called like, oh, Lady Santa Maria of the Noble Priesthood. And looks like a big slug monster. <laughs> like, they have really grand names and disgusting designs.
1: Yeah, they did. <laughs> I mean, we'll go on to monster design in a, in a little while, but some of the designs in this game were great. mainly Mainly Rom, which I have a lot to say about, because she's my favourite. But... <laughs> I mean, other than like Lovecraft, are there any other kind of themes that you saw in this game? Like, I'll um, drink some of my cocktail while you do that.
0: <laughs> you have a cocktail?
1: I, I decided to treat myself. What is it? Well, I got back from work and I was like, I know what I fancy a cocktail, but I realise I have nothing to make a cocktail. So I'm drinking a porn star martini out of a can and you can judge that as much as you wish.
0: Is that from MS? <laughs> it's,
1: it's from Tesco. <laughs>
0: Oh, <laughs>
1: it's not my classiest day, but I'm never classy. So,
0: yeah. So I think uh, a major theme in Bloodborne is like uh, hedonism and how hedonism can lead to the downfall of a society, basically. And it's also like a lot of like JRPGs, especially the older ones. It's got a big central religious theme to the game as well.
2: Mm.
1: Yeah, um, there's a kind of abuse of power storyline. I think in Bloodborne, oh, yeah. of this place, the um, the church taking it on themselves to dole out this medical treatment and they didn't know if it worked. And then it all went wrong and then they tried to fix it and they they burnt parts of the city down to the ground. They they brought out all these hunter factions to kill all the people affected by it, by the thing they themselves had caused. And a lot of them also became like really savage beasts because of the blood, because of how powerful they were themselves. And yeah. I agree. RPGs do like that kind of thing of, you know, very strong religious imagery being the source of evil in games, essentially. Like looking Especially, at like Final yeah. Fantasy X. Yeah.
0: Not even, yeah. I mean, that's just one of them. Like Final Fantasy xiv has got a big storyline about it, Final Fantasy Four. There's loads of religious stuff in um in the Final Fantasy series.
1: Yeah, yeah. But I mean, they're the two main things I would say is it's Lovecraft and yeah, kind of abuse of the general populace
0: the cosmic horror aspect of Lovecraft, like we said earlier, with with the great gods and you being unable to do anything about it because they're so big and powerful and um the feeling of hopelessness.
1: Yeah. And that kind of horror so abstract and awful that you can't even describe it. Because like yeah. if you picture some of the monsters in this game and you try to describe what it looked like to another person,
2: you,
1: you wouldn't really <laughs> be able to you'd be like, oh kind of skulls and blood and hair and tentacle mashup. Like, you wouldn't be yeah. able to. They they really hit the nail on the head with it.
0: Most of them, yeah. Some of them are easy. Like, uh, what's her name? The Nun.
1: Oh, where she turns uh, into, like, a wolf in a cloak type thing.
0: Vicar Amelia, that's her name, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, she's just a big, giant dog.
1: <laughs> oh, God, that's... Oh, I forgot about that fight. It really? I so didn't find, really find, that one
0: too, to I did find that one too hard.
1: I don't know what it is, but I'd get her so close to dying and made her do that, like jumping attack and then just crush me and defeat me in one hit and oh no I don't know what it is but I hated the Vicar Amelia fight and often when I replay Bloodborne that's the point I stop playing because I can't bring myself <laughs> to do it again really because I think she is around halfway and I just I can't get past it I don't want to do it again
0: she's not halfway she's like the third boss
1: I thought she was longer than that again I do I think when I do Bloodborne I end up doing a lot of the kind of slightly optional places before I get to that point All right. okay yeah So if we go into the actual world itself, there's a lot of places to visit in this game. And I'd say certain places are probably definitely more memorable than others. But what do you think of the actual world and the aesthetic of it?
0: I like it a lot. It's very creepy. and It's definitely like European inspired. I would even probably go as far as to say like old fashioned London, like Victorian London, maybe.
1: Oh, definitely. Especially with the outfits, with the top hats and the horses and carts and things and the the kind of brickwork of all the buildings. Definitely.
0: Exactly. Yeah. I do think it feels oppressive as well. Like it is very grand and architectural, but it also feels very oppressive. I mean, especially when you look over the side, there's nothing there, like just red mist or whatever, isn't it? Like going off into the distance forever. Um, My other favourite location in the game is Henwick Channel Lane. Remember that one where the witches are?
1: Oh, yeah. I forgot about that one. Yeah, I like that place too. I remember finding the shortcuts in that area really satisfying. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I like it. It's like a creepy forest, like a, it's very Halloweeny and it's got witches in it. And yeah, it, it's, a, it's a great designed area. And the area that you've got to just before you fight Rom, which I believe is like uh, the schools there, the universities there. Yeah. I like that area too. The way it's designed is really brilliant. I like it a lot.
1: Yeah, there's so many interesting areas. And it's an odd game where they can have so many different themed places, but they they all still fit into the same universe very well where you could have this Victorian city and then you could have this creepy lane with witches. I remember the university you can go to and then there's a castle covered in snow. But if you see them, you can instantly identify them being bloodborne, even though they're drastically different from each other. Mm
2: -hmm. But they're
1: all just, they all have that like slightly greasy, dark appearance to them where they just look dirty and unpleasant. Like Mm -hmm. I remember seeing like, you know, the crows that you fight and they look so just, greasy and horrible and you don't want to go near them and, like the whole game has that look to it
0: yeah they're not pretty crows are they <laughs> they've <laughs> seen that's... some shit
1: exactly and that screaming sound they make when they jump at you like, <laughs> yeah never get used to it
0: Canehurst castle was never a favorite of mine as well
1: oh i love Kanehurst with all the snow and like yeah, you nice. walk out it's... in from like the open bits of the castle and like the rooftops and things and all the, the gargoyle monsters and oh yeah
0: I remember, my favorites. I remember there was a, there's a I was stuck for ages on this random Enemy in the, the grounds of the castle It was just like a werewolf but I just could Not get past him I remember he quit, Rage quit like three times um, <laughs> To find a way around him I think I'm, I must be slightly under leveled Or something but I just couldn't do it
1: <laughs> I think I was under level when I went to kanehurst as well but I remember using it as one of like the Places I'd go to level up a bit later In the game
0: uh-huh. yeah. where I'd go
1: and fight the, um, the ghost women In the library and things but one of the memorable bits of this game worldwide, as I remember, is very, very early on in the game in Yarnum, there's that big, tall ladder you climb almost as soon as you leave the oh, doctor's yeah. clinic. And when you turn around and you just look out at the world from that view, and you can just see all these, this like Victorian architecture, like all across the scenery. And oh, it just looks spectacular. It does. Yeah. And all the areas link together so well. Like, mm-hmm. Any area, I've realised that you can go to it, and in certain places, if you look out, you can see areas you've been to before from completely obscure places. But like the whole game is completely mapped out and linked. Because I remember when you're in, um, oh, I can't remember where it is, but I suddenly looked over this balcony, and I could see the church where you see the blood-starved beast. And I was just, I was in a completely separate area, but I remember looking out, and in the distance, I could see that entire bit of the game where you can see the church where you fight the blood-starved beast and the corner. You go around before it with the wolf that drops off of the wall. And you could see that mm. whole area from this completely different section. And I remember that amazing me.
0: Yeah, it, it's a fantastically designed game. Um, there's even points that are a bit of a nod to Lovecraft as well, because I don't remember exactly where it is. It's somewhere near the cathedral district. Like you're surrounded by, you're on a bridge, you're surrounded by all these tall buildings, these cathedral buildings. But mm. if you look closely at them, they're impossible. Like, they, they can't exist in real life. Like. Yeah. Yeah, the non Euclidean, they just don't make any sense. Like when mean, you look down at them, um, they're so far away. And, and I can't even describe it because it's not logical, but they mm-hmm. do a really good, they do a really good, they manage to make the game feel really uh, unrealistic and creepy in that similar kind of Lovecraft vibe.
1: Yeah. And I think it's made creepy about the fact that no one in the game ever really acknowledges that it's strange and that mm-hmm. it's wrong. Everyone just carries on living and going through the motions of what's happening. But you as an um, outsider, you're like, all of this is wrong. Everything in this world is not how it should be. Why aren't people reacting to it? Like people exactly. react to the beasts and things, but not to anything else. And yeah, really
0: interesting. On, the whole world is very odd and you would think they would say something.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. But all you do is you go out to these doors and lock them. And people go, oh, you wouldn't want to be outside tonight. And it was like, is that all you have to Why are you so calm? Like, can you see what your world is? Like, this is mental.
0: The other location that I like a lot and actually inspired my real life house.
1: I'm picturing a certain location in Bloodborne and if they've inspired your house, I don't want to visit your house.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, it's the it's Hunter's Dream. You know where the doll is? Oh yeah. They have flowers there. You know those white flowers? They're all over the area. They're called Asphodel and ever since I've played Bloodborne, I've been looking for them because... They used to be quite common in Victorian England and um, they kind of went a bit out of favor, but they used to be the flower of the dead. Like I think they're meant to like bloom in, in, um, in hell or Hades or whatever in Greek mythology. So I actually managed to get some this year. I actually managed to get some asphodelus. So I put them in the garden and hopefully I'll get some flowers next spring.
1: Oh, so you're going to live in the Bloodborne Church garden. Oh, that'd be nice.
0: Yes, with my one Asphodel, yes. (laughs) I'll just get a Barbie Barbie doll next to it and um, relive the moment.
1: When you did say like, oh, I've modelled my house after the location of Bloodborne and you said the Hunter's Dream, I was like, do you have a church full of dolls and books? Like, I still don't want to visit. It sounds awful.
0: It was a fishing hamlet, actually, that I I based my house on. Yeah, fantastic. (laughs) It's very nautical and uh, wet, (laughs) mouldy.
1: I've I've based it on a burnt down village. That's what I've based my house on. Come on round. So I think if we move on to having a bit of a chat just about the battle system in Bloodborne, because it's great, essentially. I Again, I've not played loads of the Dark Souls games, but this to me is a lot more fast paced than those seem to be. The kind of defending, holding back mechanic is gone. This very much encourages dodging, retaliating more so than anything else.
0: So, yeah, I remember in Dark Souls, I've only played one of the games, but I remember you had to parry a lot. So you had to like present your shield at exactly the right moment and the the enemy sort of bounce off it. And if you got it wrong, it will still hit you. And it was very, um, I didn't find it very intuitive. Mm. Um, Whereas in Bloodborne, you literally just dive out of the way and uh, it's more action and it's more involved as you as a player. You have to time the jumps just right. But even if you mess up a little bit, it doesn't really hurt outside the boss's area.
1: Yeah and it, it encourages more active fighting because like if you lose health if you quickly attack back you regain some of it back so it doesn't encourage yes. that kind of hiding it wants you to fight back quickly which makes it much more engaging
0: Yeah you mentioned earlier about the weapons as well like like I said the weapon system in this game is fantastic and um you can pick your own playstyle basically and play how you want
1: Yeah That's the thing, because there's so many ways you could play. You could be very much kind of arcane based and use all of those sorts of items. You could be really heavy hitting. You could choose to imbue all your um, weapons with fire, or you could try and engage more like the visceral attacks, which I did a lot in the first half of the game, where you shoot and stab. Oh, I forgot about
0: those. Those are so cool, aren't they? So gory.
1: (laughs) Oh, so satisfying! Some of those big slow monsters at the beginning of the game where they like, lumber up to you and just as you're about to attack you, you visceral them. Oh, yeah. Whoever you don't have to game, shoot
0: them, do you? You can do it from behind, too, if you're, if you're quiet enough.
1: I think so, yeah. My favourite was always shooting them at the exact moment, though, and then doing one. <laughs> that, was, uh, that was great. But I must uh, admit, there are bits of this game I in the battle system I'm not such a big fan of. The camera, I feel like, is one of the biggest opponents you have in this game, more so than anything else.
0: That is a terrain um, boss, yes, the camera.
1: Yeah, but I remember being in boss fights and it was going well and suddenly my camera would just be facing like inside the body of the monster I was fighting Well, I could just see my health bar depleting and I could not see anything. No matter what way I turned it, I was inside the thing I was fighting or the camera was up against a wall and oh, it would drive me insane.
0: Yeah, I remember at one point I managed to get inside the doll's head with the camera. Have you done that before?
1: (laughs) No, (laughs) you weirdo.
0: (laughs) No, I did it by accident. You just sort of turn the camera around and suddenly the camera is in her head and it's like, you can see the back of her eyeballs. It's so creepy. And it's like her perspective. It's a glitch, a complete glitch.
1: I might have to live off on YouTube because that's really <laughs> creepy.
0: I don't really have any major criticisms of the battle system itself. I do think that some of the bosses can, oh my God, some of them just get so, so difficult. But it's all about patterns. Mm. And trial and error, but it does it, it get very frustrating when you're on your, like, 120th trial and error battle. Like, you know what I mean? Like, when you've tried the boss so many times, you just can't do it. Especially more frustrating, like you said earlier with Amelia, where you get them to a very low health and then they kill you. Oh, my um, God, I want to throw a controller through the TV every time that happens.
1: That was the worst. Or, like, they'd have a really solid pattern for most of it. I mean, in their last third of health, they'd become really unpredictable. So just as you, were thinking, you would think you were get into the grips of it, they would just go a bit out of control. You wouldn't be able mm. to keep track of what was happening. And uh those ones are awful.
0: Which were your favourite bosses?
1: I like different ones for different reasons. Cleric Beast, I like just more because of what a surprise that boss is. Like you're just, you're running along the bridge, you know, it's, it's all going quite well. You think you've just about got to grips with it. And suddenly that like choir music starts. <laughs> it's and not going thing-
0: well, it's going off. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, by that time, I feel like you've done that area a few times. Yeah, so you're like, okay. okay I'm, get, yeah. I'm getting familiar. And then suddenly this choir music starts, and this thing <laughs> jumps over a gate onto this tiny enclosed space. You're like, "Oh, right, this is Bloodborne." Okay, and then it annihilates you. But the music that plays in that boss fight—it's one of the few pieces of music in this game that I could like hum and remember. There's very few in this game that I would be able to do that for.
0: Mm-hmm. But the
1: music in that boss is great. Just the sound of it when it starts and it jumps over is, uh, yeah, stunning.
0: But that's your number one favourite then, the first one.
1: Uh, Gascoigne, I find him really hard, but just because of his storyline, I think it's an interesting fight. And then Rom, Rom's one of my other favourite ones. That oh, Rom. Um... Creepy, but kind of cute and kind of, it's going to sound like a really weird word to describe a blood-borne monster as, but kind of ditzy. That's kind of how I picture Rom. <laughs> Ditsy, Ditsy, like you'll be fighting. It, and we'll be like, "Oh, gonna roll on my back with her tiny little legs <laughs> in the air." I'm like, "Oh, Rom, what are you up to now?" Is that so
0: the best Rom you've got. So Rom used to be an academic, right, at the university, and she's she's now like stopping you from seeing the true nature of the world. Is that right?
1: Yeah. Once you defeat her, the moon descends. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Poor Rom.
1: Yeah, because I don't think she's really an evil character, is she? say No,
0: she's just doing a job, but then.
1: <laughs> doing a job, like an office job. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, she's being paid for this, yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: I don't remember her full details, but wasn't she sort of forced into it or coerced into it somehow? Or don't think she made the choice of becoming a big spider.
1: No, I don't think she did. I can't really remember her storyline that well, to be honest, but mm-hmm. yeah, I think they were trying to transform or make a great one, weren't they? And they made wrong. Yeah, not. I'm not too sure about that one, actually.
0: hmm. Well, uh, my favorite bosses are probably Vicar Amelia, because I love the design of that boss. It's so cool. With it, like, basically, it's like a big, giant, decaying, shaggy dog. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think you said you find it hard. I didn't find it easy, certainly not, but um, I didn't find it as hard as you're as you making out to be. But you found it was really easy, which I found baffling. I found the first boss really difficult. But uh, anyway, Amelia, uh, I think she's fantastic. I, I just love... Doesn't you should wear that big crucifix when she's fighting you, too.
1: I I think so. And she's clutching like a little, um, it's like a pendant she's holding in her hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a gold pendant.
0: Yeah, you get it at the end of the, the battle, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I
1: did like a design with like, the because her eyes are covered, aren't they? During that fight, the wolf's eyes are covered Yeah, yeah interesting looking.
0: Uh, and the other two that I liked were um, <laughs> probably the really easy battle. I think I did first time. The witches in in Hemwich Channel Lane.
2: Oh, yeah.
0: Remember, like, you kill one of them and then a second one comes along. You have to kill her before she revives uh, the first one you killed.
1: Yeah, I liked that fight, actually. But apparently, I can't exactly how it works. I think it's that fight where the more, I think it's the more insight you have, the harder the fight is, like, the more witches there are or something like that.
0: Oh, really? (laughs) I
1: think that's that fight, yeah.
0: Maybe I just had, like, very low insight at that point. I find it really easy. I I don't think I even, like, had to practice or anything.
1: You went in with one, yeah.
0: (laughs) And I also like the living failures as well. Do you remember there's, like, I think there's, like, three of them?
1: Which ones are they?
0: They're, like, there's, like, three, like, alien-looking monsters and they keep bringing space down on you. Like, the screen turns into, like, a space.
1: Oh, that does kind of ring about I've forgotten about them.
0: I Hmm. like that fight. I think it's on a rooftop. Yeah, Yeah. it's on the university roof.
1: I think I need to play Bloodborne again. Some of this I don't remember (laughs) as well as I thought I did. I feel like I remember the first half really well because that's the bit I've played multiple times. But the second half, not quite as much.
0: I think the failures are actually DLC. Now that I think about it.
1: Oh, maybe that's why. Because I've only played DLC once. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because I remember the fight that used to drive me insane is, and I might be getting his name wrong, but is it? Is it Mikolash, the guy in the dream with the cage on his head, where you have to chase him around to fight him?
0: Oh, the host of the nightmare! Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Oh, I found that fight infuriating—having to chase him around. Oh, and the, awful. the skeleton.
0: There's two skeletons too, isn't there as well that he brings to life?
1: Yeah. Oh, I just—that was one of the few <laughs> fights where I didn't feel like it was me messing up that was making that frustrating. It was him just keep running in directions I couldn't predict, and oh, I couldn't bear that.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't think it was very hard I think I might have died once during that fight It was just really annoying to do, like you said
1: Yeah, that's the thing, it wasn't hard Once you managed to pin him to a location, it was fine It was just running around was, <laughs> Nah I think one of the few bits of the game that we haven't really mentioned too much Is the kind of multiplayer element of Bloodborne Which, personally, I never really used that much I did it with you a couple of times And we spent a lot of it just like, I don't know, bowing to each other giggling i think (laughs) more so than doing much fighting but i never like invaded anyone's games or had any interest in doing any of that sort of thing
0: isn't there an area i'm getting flashbacks now isn't there an area you can go to which is like exclusively for people to come and invade you or something
1: oh possibly i'm not sure i I never really took part in any of it
0: i think there's a a whole area um i just remembered this where people you accept that you might get killed people Come and help you or hinder you and they kill you. And I remember that was really difficult because people that would like to play that part of the game were always like level nine and like, <laughs> like armed to the teeth with like every, the best weapon in the game. And there was me with my little like cocktail stick, level two, <laughs> you know. Um but yeah, the multiplayer is fun and you can leave notes for people and you can't choose what to write, but you can sort of make little poems and little messages with the the predetermined text. It's quite an art form in itself, actually. You can get some beautiful messages. Um, oh, I'm sure. <laughs> and you can see where people have died, right? You can see the spirits and of people. Uh, I think people in your country or your geographic area, and you can see where they've had trouble with the fight. When you um, select them, and you can see the the red outline.
1: Oh, oh, that's interesting. Can you not see that? I don't. I think maybe when I very very early on played it, it might have been a thing when I switched it off, but. Huh. I don't remember. So anywhere. you didn't
0: see any of the messages or anything around the world.
1: Um, I can't remember seeing them. No,
0: really, you you must play it offline the whole time because when you play it online, you can literally leave a message anywhere, but you can't. Like I said, you can't write it. You have to select text from these big lists, um, and then you could upvote it and and downvote it. And the ones that are upvoted would like if someone upvoted your messages, it would heal you in battle. Oh. Yeah, so,
1: I, I must have just played offline the whole time then.
0: Uh, I remember that I was in a boss fight once and I was struggling and I got a like on a message that I left and it healed me to full and <laughs> I managed to kill the boss. It felt like cheating, but, you know, I wrote a great note. Oh,
1: you are cured by friendliness. That's so wholesome for a game Pretty like much.
0: Bloodborne.
1: Pretty <laughs> much. So then, Steve, would you play Bloodborne again?
0: Yes, and actually I actually kind of want to now. <laughs> um, <laughs> I kind of want to put it on a PS5 and see how the graphics are, are upgraded using the, the modern console.
1: Oh, yeah, that would look so good.
0: But yeah, I would definitely play this game again. Um, and I really, really hope there is a Bloodborne 2 and that it's better than Bloodborne 1, which is hard to top. But mm. if they can just manage that, please, that would be so great. Thank you.
1: That That's the thing. Like, I wouldn't want them to change that much with a sequel, like just a few minor tweaks. But I just want it to be a continuation of that game.
2: Basically. Yeah, more,
0: more of the same uh, More, Maybe more character customization Options, the ones that you can't see And you never look at, apparently um...
2: <laughs> Yeah,
0: exactly, <laughs> keen for that So, uh, would you play again?
1: Yeah, and similar to you I kind of want to play it again as well Like The last couple of days I, out of nowhere, decided to play Dead Space Just because I happened to see it in my cupboard oh,
0: but,
1: I love that game uh, Yeah, me too, the first Dead Space is oh, glorious And
0: it's getting a remake
1: I've heard that, but I'm wary of because apparently he's not going to be a silent protagonist in the remake. And I liked the fact he was a silent protagonist in Dead Space 1. So,
0: Oh, Isaac.
1: Oh, Isaac just wanders around just doing <laughs> as he's told obediently. Just, oh, I love that game. So, yeah, I am excited for that remake, but they better do it well.
0: <laughs> so that's but, yes, <laughs> Which that you Bloodborne.
1: <laughs> but it means that now I'm kind of more in the mood to kind of do that more kind of horror action-y kind of game. So mm-hmm. I might play a bit of Bloodborne maybe over the next week.
0: Oh, very nice. I was talking so, about what
1: kind of scoring system we could have for Bloodborne, because so far we've had varying ones for the last couple of games that we've done. What kind of Well, one I could, could say it got really
0: boring and say, like, how many blood echoes, but that's really, that's let's not do that. Let's go, like, how many umbilical cords or something. <laughs> something gross.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, nice out of context scoring <laughs> system. Okay, yeah, let's do umbilical cords. <laughs> so, Steve, how many umbilical cords out of 10 would you give Bloodborne?
0: Now, I know I gave Persona 5 and 8.5.
1: You did, and I was confused by that score.
0: Yeah. I'd like to revisit that in the future. But I would uh, I think I give LeBon a good solid nine out of ten. Mm. Sorry, excuse me, nine out of ten umbilical chords. Better, yeah. I haven't criticized the game much in this podcast so far. I don't think it's a perfect game by any stretch, but it's pretty close. Like the difficulty curve is very steep but that's actually kind of the charm of it in a way <laughs> because yeah. it's very rewarding when you do kill that thing that you've been practicing for 60 days As direction yeah. slightly. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, n- nine out of 10, a, a very, very good game, which I hope gets more attention in the future and a sequel.
1: Yeah. I think, yeah, I would give it nine out of 10 umbilical cords as well, actually. I think what they set out to do with this game, they achieved and they achieved it well. The graphics are amazing. The sound effects that go with all the monsters, the music, like the atmospheric sounds that happen in it, the world layout, the battle system, it's all just gels together really well into this Lovecraftian horror action game. It's, yeah, it's from software kind of at its best, I think.
0: That is quite the endorsement.
1: (laughs) It is. I stand by it, though. Like, to get it a perfect score... Uh, there's not really that much I would change to be honest I think maybe a little bit more kind of personalization to some of the stories maybe maybe a couple of endings that were a little bit more I don't know felt a bit more final but mm-hmm. they're such small things like mostly I think it's it's fantastic that's more mm-hmm. just personal preference more so than anything else
0: All right. So thank you for listening to uh, episode four of Murph and Magic. Uh, We'll be back in two weeks time with a discussion episode similar to our top 10 RPGs. Uh, Do you want to tell them what it is this time, Charlotte?
1: So it's going to be on outfits and character design. And it's it's mainly going to be me bitching about how bad some of them look. So it's going to be fun.
0: You gushing over Lulu. Is it how cool she is? If character
1: doesn't have at least twelve belts, then I'm not.
0: (laughs) (sighs) All right. So uh, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if you are still inclined to do so. Give us a follow on Twitter at Mirth and Magic, and yeah, we'll we'll see you next time. Bye, guys.
2: Bye, guys.